Kiora, and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining us today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Hi everyone, welcome to the very last episode of Season 5 of our podcast. I'll be taking a four-week break to rest a wee bit and to prepare episodes and line up guests for Season 6. So actually, it's not really that much of a break for me, truth be told. I'm not going to replay any old episodes as you can access all five seasons from your favourite free podcasting app anyway, or you can listen to them all from our podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com But today, for now, I'd like you all to imagine that you are a wee kid resting in your bed at night when all of a sudden you start hearing noises coming from your bedroom closet. Sounds like any number of horror movie beginnings or that Disney movie Monsters Inc. But this is no movie and these are not blue, cute, lovable furry monsters. This is real life. Noises turn into voices telling you to let me out or come and join me. You lay there terrified and traumatised until you start to see a shadowy, snake-like form slithering out from under your closet door that has opened by itself as you watched, terrified. You run crying from your room, your supposed safe haven, and sleep on the couch in the lounge or on the lounge floor. Every night this happens to you. Every night. How would you deal with this? As a child, what would you do? Would you do anything differently? This is my guest dilemma. But the question, as always, is, are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Good. Then let's begin. My guest is the debut author of a book called Born Haunted, My Lifeline Encounters with the Paranormal. His book has received award nominations from the following places, Best Indie Book Award, Dragonfly Book Awards and Writer's Digest Awards. Nate was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he met his wife and still lives today. He has professional license in medication administration and currently works in the medical field. He's an expert on paranormal phenomena and occult studies and wicca and witchcraft. His lifelong experiences with the strange and supernatural have brought him great knowledge which he seeks to share with all his readers. When he isn't writing or studying the paranormal and occult, he enjoys playing the guitar, gardening and spending time outdoors with his young daughter and wife. My guest, Nate Michael. 
very much for agreeing to speak with us today, Nate. I read your book and it was absolutely fascinating. And I, I really felt for you as a little child with all the experiences you went through. Not not a very pleasant time. Maybe you you could start at the beginning and talk us through your journey. Honestly, my experiences began before I could really remember. My mother had claimed that uh, when I was an infant, she would have a lot of experiences herself holding me, rocking me to sleep at night, those kinds of things. She would have premonitions, if you will, or, or dreams that would later come to be true. And they were usually kind of devastating. Uh, they would, it would involve accidents or um, you know, murders in the local area, in, in our area, um, that, did, that did come to fruition. So that's kind of where, I guess, my, my beginning in having these experiences and experiences with the paranormal first started. From what I can remember on, I had a lot of um, encounters with, I would call them entities, ghosts, spirits, um, beginning around about four or five years old. That's about the time I can remember. It happened before that, but I just couldn't, I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. So I, speaking on what I can remember, it's about four or five years old when those experiences began. Right. So what do you, what do you first remember? It would be a entity that lived in my closet. Um, I referred to it as the evil spirit because that's what it told me it was. After many nights of it being terrorized by it, um, I finally had asked it, you know, what are you? Or, or you know, go away. What, what are you doing here? What are you? Something to that extent. And it said, I'm an evil spirit. Right. So when you say that you were terrorized, what what sort of things would happen? Like you say this entity came from your closet. So would it like open your closet door and come into your room? Or did you just feel a presence? Or how did it manifest itself? Well, I had a lot of, um, there was a lot of noise that would come from the closet, a lot of calling my name, um, asking me to come in, asking me to let it out, those kinds of things. Uh, I would frequently sleep on the couch or the living room floor because I did not want to sleep in my room. And it got so bad that my mother and father took me to my pediatrician at the time. And I said, he won't sleep in his room. He's having a hard time sleeping at night. What can we do? And the pediatrician had recommended that we lock me in my room at night um, and shut the door and, you know, just kind of tough it out that, that I have to understand that it's my room. So I, eventually um, I, I would leave my room crying and then sleep on the couch or the floor or whatever. Um, but it would, um, you know, it would call out my name, ask me to open the door. And then it would eventually turn into like a, a snake-like shadow that would kind of creep out from underneath the crack of the closet door. And mm-hmm. uh, that's usually at the point when I would run out of my room and I was done for it for the, with the night, you know, would sleep on the couch. Well, that's absolutely terrifying for a, well for anybody, but especially for a little kid. And of course, as parents, we don't always appreciate what our children are experiencing. Very often, we think it's just you know imagination or night terrors, and and so we don't always understand what they're going through. So for you, this was obviously a very very traumatic time. Yes, absolutely, and. And, you know, I have a young daughter myself, so, and I try to be um, as scientific about things before I jump to any other conclusions. So, you know, I, it kind of makes you wonder, and it, and, um, it is scary, you know, and um, are they, it, 
are they saying is that real what are they, is that really something that they're saying and, and having those experiences myself then i i know to be a much more open-minded and, and to not dismiss what children say that they they may be able to see things that we can or hear things or or whatever Absolutely. So what finally transpired that this entity um, declared what he was to you? What brought that about? So uh, again, I, I had asked it, you know, what are you or to leave? What are you doing here? What are you? What are you? Something along those lines. And it, it actually said that it was an evil spirit. And I told my parents that. And I, I, I don't want to say that they didn't believe me, but Obviously, they were trying to, you know, keep calm in, right. in, spite, in spite of everything. And um, so I guess the real tipping point when, when they started to really believe my claims was when um, one evening my mother had gotten up out of bed. It was late, very late at night. And um, there is a window pane above uh, on our front door. And it was fogged over, and she thought it was a little weird. It wasn't normally fogged over at that time. So she walked over to it, and she noticed in the fog, the condensation in that window pane, that there was a um, uh, a expletive word, uh, the B word, B-I-T, yes, written yeah. in the window pane fog. But certainly it wasn't me. I was young. I was asleep on the couch. Um, my dad was asleep. She was the only one up. There was, all the doors were locked, so it made no no explanation. So I think that was when they really knew that something negative was was there in that home right. with us. Well, certainly something that caused your mum by, you know, foul language is definitely not yes. a positive being. And no. I, I remember reading in your book that you were only a few feet away from that window. Yes, I was. And that was one thing that really terrified my mother was I was right there, you know, I yeah. mean, just, just feet away on the couch, sleeping on the couch because I couldn't sleep in my room yeah. because of what I was saying was the evil spirit that was in my closet. So right. it was very terrifying for her. And I think it really disturbed her. So what happened after that? After we that had incident? a lot of, um, we had a lot of uh, doors being opened, lights being turned on when no one was home. After we turned them off left, they would come back home and they would be on. Oh, that's um, right. Police were called, you know, to to make sure there was no intruder, but there was no intruder. Um, my before my sister was born, shortly after my sister was born, was when we actually decided to move out of that house. Um, my mom was having a lot of terrifying dreams, a lot of nightmares, um, and, and that activity continued with the lights and the doors being on and unlocked and. And uh, me continuing on about the evil spirit in my closet. So they did, right. we decided to move after my sister was, shortly after my sister was born. Right. I do remember reading in your book how you said that you guys had been out one night and you came home and all the windows were, all the lights were on, the front door and the back door were open. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We had been out doing some shopping, running some errands. And, and when we came home, every door on the home was open. Every light was on, um, and they were all locked before we left. Um, we're always good about keeping keeping the doors locked and those things. So it was very strange. Called the police right away. Um, they came out with their, their pistols drawn to the sweep of the home, and they could not find anything. Nothing was out of place. Just all the lights on, all the doors open. And it just, it's just alarming to have that, to know that your home is open for anyone to walk into. And, yeah. and then who did that or, or what did that? You know? Yeah really scary and it would have made you all feel quite vulnerable especially your mum 
Yes. Yeah, because you would have been uh, extra worried about you and your safety and being pregnant. Was she pregnant at that stage? Or was that before she was pregnant? I think that might have been right before she was pregnant. I think she would, yeah, it might have been right before. But even so, you know, as a mum, I just, myself, I would have been absolutely terrified for you. Oh. Like, how do you protect your child from something you can't see but you know is there? Exactly. Exactly. And again, and it was a time of 19, it was the 1980s, so uh, I don't think those kind of things were well recepted back then. Um, Not They weren't as talked about as much as they are today. Yeah. So it was one of those things, you know, you kind of kept secret and you didn't tell too many outsiders, both right. outside of the family. Right. So after your sister was born, you guys moved to a new home. Yes. Yeah, we moved to a new home. And... Of course, there was activity there as well. Not right away. didn't start right away. I would say within the first month it started. And it was always things you could, you could dismiss or, you know, blame on the wind, you know, footsteps or something like that. But um, things got a little stranger and, and we couldn't dismiss them anymore. <laughs> so then we, we knew that, that the new home we moved into was indeed um, occupied by another being, spirit or haunted, if you will. Right, and you don't feel that it was the entity from the other house followed you? We don't. We don't believe that it was. Um, I had actually spoken to, when we moved into the home, the new home, um, I began speaking with some imaginary friends. Um, oh. And from my conversations with them, and I believe, I still to this day believe they were very real. Mm. Um, one was a Native American, one was a, a wow. former farmer of the land or what I thought to be of the land. Um, so I don't believe it was the same being or entity. Mm. I personally don't. Um, and there was no, there wasn't anything saying that it was an evil spirit like there was in the previous mm -hmm. home. So I think it may be associated with the land there or something, but definitely activity continued there as well. So. So these, um, these spirits that were your imaginary friends, did they give you information about their lives? One was, um, his name was Chules, uh, Chules. So and he was what I perceived to be a Native American. And he had told me some things about a river. And there was a river nearby our home that I wasn't too well aware of after first moving in, obviously. And and he had made some comments about the river and some rituals and some things that they had done. But I may have been a little too young to understand that. So right. looking back, I fully understand what that was now. But um, Taylor was a former, I believe was a former uh, landowner or farmer of the area. But that was some of the things that um, the imaginary friends, quote unquote, um, had, had spoke to me and what they said. Right, and obviously you were comfortable with these spirits. Yes, very much so. I did. I mean, they were friends. I didn't. Right. I didn't see them as negative. I didn't feel anything um, right. negative when I was around them. We would, um, you know, we would play, and I can remember playing in. We had a spare room where all our toys were kept and things like that. And I can remember playing in there with them and, and asking Chules and Bobby to play, and, and I don't remember anything bad. It was never bad. It was just. Just a friend, just friends. Mm, mm, mm. Right. And you would have noticed the difference from your previous experience. You would have known I, enough then to trust so. your feelings. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think I would have noticed and I didn't get that right away. No. Right. Right. And so how long were you in, in this house and did you keep up communication with these spirits for like, you know, was it years or? It was several years. Yeah. It was, um, my memory serves me right. I believe we were in there for approximately oh, seven years or so. Um, and I did for a time, but I grew older, so I kind of stopped doing that and got interested in some other things. But my younger sister was growing up, obviously, from, from her infancy. Now she's a toddler and, and growing older. Um, and so she began to actually play with the same uh, imaginary friends, quote, unquote, and uh, with the same names and everything. So I, could it be something that she picked up from her older brother, me, or was she seeing them as well? I believe she may have been seeing that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that did continue with my sister, but we did have other things. We had one thing that occurred a lot, but it was kind of strange, um, was the toilet paper would be unrolled uh, nearly nightly and, and folded into ni nice little piles at the um, end of the toilet. So it was just kind of weird. We had a loud uh, bang. It was a door closing real late at night. My father thought there was an intruder, but there was no one there. The door was locked. We had several experiences in that home. Well, that toilet paper one would have been very interesting. It, it, it's different. I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't know what, <laughs> what the message was there or if there was a message or if it was residual. I'm not really sure what to make of it. But it was interesting. Looking back on it, it was very interesting and kind of funny. Kind of funny. I, would, I would say it would be active, an active uh, spirit rather than residual because yes. residual <laughs> only is like a tape recorder playing right. over and over again. Right. But right. this one had intelligence enough to fold the toilet paper. Maybe exactly. that's how they used to have it. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. Very interesting. And, and I, I do think it's kind of funny. Looking it back. is kind of funny. How did your mum and dad deal with it? Um, you know, at first, again, they tried to brush things off and, oh, it was probably the kids or did you guys do this? And then we'd say, oh, no, it was our imaginary friends. And, and um, they had some experiences, like, especially with the door closing that I mentioned. Right. Um, real late at night, dad got his pistol, his gun out. He went downstairs and he just couldn't figure it out. And, and the door was completely locked. And I think that was one point where they kind of knew that, oh, boy, there's activity in this home as well. Right. So, um, yeah, a lot of those kind of things. Um, you would hear some voices occasionally, your name being called. So yeah, I think they they began to realize it as well. I mean, the toilet paper was kind of odd and <laughs> and, and funny, but they had some of their own experiences. Some of those things they they haven't even shared with me. So right. I remember in your book, your father got his gun because he thought somebody had broken the front door down. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a very loud, the whole, it was like um, the walls shaking. I mean, just it felt as if right. someone just slammed the door as hard as they possibly could or kicked right. it down or, or something of that nature. I mean, it wasn't just a, a gentle closing of the door. It was extremely right. forceful to awaken the whole family and automatically assume that the door was just being kicked down or blown down by it. By some kind of force. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you'd assume, wouldn't you? If um, you know, hearing a noise like that, and to go down and discover nothing—that must have been very perturbing for your dad. Again, because how do you protect your family against something you can't see? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, did you ever talk to your parents about your experiences 
like as you got older? Did you ever discuss what you guys had experienced together? Yeah, oh, I mean, we still talk about it today. Um, and I'm very open about it. I, I know, like, my father, he's, he, you know, he doesn't want to uh, always go too deep into things, but he does not deny it. He, he, it's something we talk about and um, something we live through. So it's a big part of our, our life. Mm. Um, and I mm. don't think that we should dismiss it. I think we should talk about it. It's something that happened when we were growing up and it's, you know, shaped certain aspects of, of our family and our being. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. But, you know, I understand that your parents came from a more traditionally religious background, so it must yes. have been hard for them to deal with us. Yes. We actually had called in a, a clergyman from a local church. We'd been refused by several churches because they said they didn't believe in that. And my family was traditional, the traditional modern Christian. Right. Um, so they would also look that way for answers and it was very confusing for them it was very confusing for them yeah I can imagine it would be and scary like yeah because it didn't fall in their paradigms of belief so they had to <laughs> like think outside of the box and accept something that wasn't part of their reality so that's really scary and then deal with their children at the same time so exactly. for all of you, for all of you, it would have been a very confusing and a very scary time. Your poor mum, I really feel for her because, you know, she had to like hold it together for you guys, not show her yes. fear so she didn't pass on her fear to you and be in that home, you know, scary, scary stuff. So, so there you are, you've moved past your first experience, you're on to your second house and you've got these imaginary friends which we know aren't imaginary friends right uh, and then what happens from there so um activity continued um i had one experience that really frightened me a uh, couple experiences that were very very frightening to me at the time and i was younger so um I, I think too being at a younger age you look at things different so maybe if it happened today it wouldn't be as frightening to me or maybe i would approach it differently i would ask you know, what's going on instead of being being scared and hiding right. or something. More activity continued. We had a, um, a pastor come out from a local church. Um, again, many refused and said that the paranormal didn't exist. So we, we found one, a pastor that, that um, actually was stepping, what he said was stepping outside his church um, because him and his wife had had experiences personally. Uh -huh. So he came, um, he did some prayer over the house, uh, blessing of the house, um, it was some tips and tricks, if you will, that, that he had learned. And uh, the activity kind of, it, it didn't stop, but it lessened. Right. Um, and then it wasn't too long after that that we decided to move. So looking back, I don't know if maybe my parents had called the pastor out, knowing we were going to be moving and, and didn't want to pass this on to the next person or right. feel guilty not disclosing it. So, so we did move after the pastor came out and things lessened. From from there, how long were you guys in that house? We were in that house probably approximately, oh boy, I would say total of over 10, over 10 years. From there, then I grew up and then into uh, high school and, and uh, we had moved not too far away from the second home, but um, there were no experiences in the third home. Uh, nothing, nothing to note. Um, again, entered high school met my current wife um so it then moved out of 
out of parents' home and got my own apartment and, and became serious with girlfriend who is now wife. So um, that's kind of where where I left off there after after those experiences in the second home. Right. And what so as you as you grew older and went through high school and then your your studies, what area of work did you choose to go into? So I, I chose to go into healthcare. I always have um, a um, a deep desire to be in healthcare. I always wanted to do something. I just knew I needed to be in healthcare. Right. I was a little rebellious in high school, and I began to actually start to um, look into other schools of religion and other schools of thought. And I started to have, um, started to have different uh, viewpoints than my parents upon, you know, um, life after death and right. religious philosophy and uh, things that I kept secret. And then I, and you know, honestly, I buried a lot of those paranormal experiences and I didn't want to share those um, you know, in my twenties and, and whatnot. I didn't want to, I was afraid of, of what people would think. So I, I tried to purposely forget those. Um, but I did always have that interest in it. Um, and then I became interested in, again, the um, different schools of religion and thoughts and then always having that inkling to be in healthcare. And I knew I wanted to work in healthcare. So after high school, pursued some certifications and licensures in healthcare. Oh, good for you. Uh, I mean, you know, having been a nurse for close to 40 years myself, I totally get it it's it's like well it's a calling really you you feel drawn to it and then you stay yes. there because you love it and because you know you're making a positive difference to people's lives yes you can see you can see your work right right unfolding right in front of your eyes yeah, yeah. I agree with you. very satisfying so then you meet your your wife you got married oh no before you got married, you moved in together, didn't you? Yes. That's right. Did things a little, we did things a little differently. We uh, moved in before we got married. We moved into a rental home together. And um, to be honest, she um, it was skeptical. At first. Right. I didn't share my, my, I didn't share much of my paranormal experiences with her right off the bat. Right. Right, I didn't want to scare her off. I, I loved her, I still do love her. I didn't want her to, I wanted to marry her someday, so I didn't want her to uh, think, oh boy, this guy's nuts, and then run away. So I, I actually did not tell her um, the paranormal experiences I had right away. Uh, that came about after a family gathering. My mother brought it up because we started to have paranormal experiences together. My, my uh, at the time, fiance, um, the home, the rental home we were living in, we were having some things, so some ghostly activity. Didn't you, like, uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading in your book, which is really well written, Thank you. That, that you had trouble finding a place initially, and then you found this place that was really cheap to rent. Yes, um, we, we were looking and looking. We could not find anything within our budget, or, or if there's something in our budget, it was not as advertised. <laughs> it was right. not the pictures that were online. It was much different. So we were having a very hard time. And it seemed as almost that the rental home we got, we ended up signing the lease with, was the last option. Um, it, it looked like the pictures that were advertised. It was within our budget. Uh, touring it, it was it was nice. It was decent. And, and it felt comfortable. And But it was, uh, that again, that last option. Right. But when you, we didn't want you, to put off 
moving in together for oh, another yeah. year. So, so yeah. I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, and when you got initially walked through the home, you didn't sense anything about it. Like there was nothing. Was didn't there? necessarily see anything. Now, I got a feeling, right? Yeah, because I'm, no, I right sense. away. Sorry, that was my ah, sense. Yes, accent. yes. No, I got a sense. Yeah. I got a sense. Um, it was, um, I describe it as like a thick fog. Um, right. It just kind of f- felt foggy in the, in the air, felt very thick and choked up. Right. Um, I did get that sense right away, but that was before I had told my, at the time, fiance about the, my previous paranormal experiences. So I just brushed it off. And again, it was the last option and I wanted to move in with her and I wanted to, you know, continue that aspect of my life. So I just kind of dismissed those feelings and, oh, well, maybe it's, uh, we need a dehumidifier or something in here. Maybe the air is too hot or something. Right. And that's a lesson in listening to your feelings, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So talk us through how things progressed in the home with you and then with your fiancé. So it it started out fairly innocuous. You'd hear a lot of footsteps. My wife, at the time, fiancé, she would misplay around. Items would be misplaced. It wasn't, I don't believe it was her. Right. She would be combing her hair. And, I mean, turn around just for a split second. And then the comb would be gone. Or she'd be fiddling on her cell phone and sit it down, turn, and then come back to it. And it would be gone. And it would be in a totally different place than, than where she left it. So it started out with those kind of things. Um, one thing that really stood out in my mind was... Um, scratching we started to hear scratching within the walls right and we had called the landlord out hoping maybe he could fix it or find a reasoning and every time he would show up it would stop nearly as soon as he would pull in the driveway and he would look around and he's i can't hear anything i don't see anything so you know if you guys weren't such good tenants you pay the rent you have good upkeep on the home i wouldn't believe you but there's just nothing I can do. Yeah. So that's where it started. This experience I hear quite often is that often people start by hearing scratching in the walls and they think it's rats or some other animal in, inside of the walls. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and that's, it, it sounded similar. It sounded like maybe a raccoon or something mm. had gotten in the wall, but it was just odd. that, And it would, it would also seem to kind of follow you from room to room. Oh, that's interesting. But, but you couldn't quite pinpoint it and say, oh, it's right here in this spot. It was just, right. I hear that scratching again. It's, it's, you know, throughout the room, and then you go into the other room, and you'd still hear it, and you're like, well, maybe it's in here. That must have been quite frustrating for you both, and not really thinking that it was anything nefarious or uh, otherworldly. Right, exactly. Exactly. And how did it, what happened after that? Uh, how did it escalate? So I think at that point, uh, again, we had had a family gathering and my fiance had mentioned that she thought maybe the home we were renting was haunted. And of course, my mother chimed in quite quickly and was like, well, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about how we grew up. (laughs) And um, My wife, fiance at the time, didn't know those things. Again, I didn't disclose them to her. Um, I didn't want to scare her off. So... It was, it was a relief as well because I think having those experiences together in the rental home we were sharing, it, 
it turned her into a, a believer. Um, right. I was going to say, how she, did she handle? How did she handle your mum's disclosure? That must have been. You must have been going. Oh. oh yes, I was. I mean, I was just mortified when she was telling all these stories and all you know the experiences we had had and and a lot of things I've already discussed here and in my book. And I'm like, oh no, and she's going to run away, but she just was like, oh yeah, I believe that because we're having experiences in our home together, similar, you know, uh, doors closing and footsteps. So yeah, I totally believe that. I think she might have mentioned, you know, ask me that five years ago and I wouldn't believe you because I would have been a skeptic back then. But right. having those experiences together and she turned total believer. Awesome. Oh, that was, that was quite a relief for you then. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then of course, then I, I, mean, I had to apologize. So I'm sorry. I didn't tell you that. I just love you too much. I didn't want to scare you away. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I bet she took it that way as well. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> she took it great. She's a great woman. I love her dearly. So, so after your mum made this disclosure, did things escalate? Or yeah, did you just I, I become more that, aware of them? I, th I think we became more aware of them. Um, I stopped um, denying you know, the previous experiences and I accepted them. So um, I think we opened our eyes to them and accepted what was going on. Um, so in that sense, yes, it did escalate. And it even affected a visitor I had one time. He, um, he came over and right away he said, uh, Nate, I think this house is haunted. Has anybody died here? I'm like, well, I don't know, you know. Um, so we went down to the basement. They're hanging out the basement. I was showing them around. And uh, we heard the back door being unlocked and the, the door handle being fumbled around. And then it opened and then closed and then locked and some footsteps. So we figured, oh, my fiance's home footsteps around the house as if she was getting home walking around footsteps into the kitchen the sink turns on and my my friend and co-worker said I don't want to be in the basement anymore let's go up let's get out of here so we run upstairs and the sink's still running but there was no one there and she was not home so that was one experience that really stood out in my mind um, and also I had that friend and co-worker there to to you know verify that I wasn't crazy and this was really happening. How did he um, react to that? When, when he you got up the top and the tap was running. <laughs> he left. He he just he turned white as a ghost and he, I don't know what excuse I can't quite remember the excuse he made, but it was clearly a made up excuse. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I don't blame him, I understand. And he um he left and that was it. He never came back to that home. Wow. Yeah, that would have been pretty freaky for somebody who's never experienced any. And even for you, even though you've experienced it all, that to have something that clear and to have a physical proof, you know, with the tap running is, is quite a, a different thing altogether. It's a different kettle of fish. Yes. And, and I was like, wow, you know, how are you going to do that to me? You're my, you're my good friend. And you just ran out, left me with the tap running. <laughs> So what, yeah. did, what did you do after that? After he left, what did you do? Did you leave the house? Did you stay in the house? Did you well, obviously turn the tap off? <laughs> yes, we turned the tap off. That was one of the first things I did. No, we stayed. Um, we had a, a rental agreement, so we had to meet, you know, so many months or whatever there in the home. Um, we stayed and um, activity continued, but I became... What I would call obsessed with the home. I wanted to. I wanted to find an answer. I wanted to know what was the reason and what was going on. I was also beginning to have nightmares very specific to the home, oh. um, and about uh, maybe some things that could be related to what was going on in the home. So the nightmares were increasing, 
and increasing in intensity. And I began to do a lot of research on the home and the land and the surrounding land. Um, I, again, I would say I almost became obsessed with mm-hmm. the home and, and the area. And what did you find in your research? So in my research, I discovered that um, the land that the home sat on back in the 1700s was part of a fort. And when I looked at maps with my current maps with my home and compared them to historical maps of the fort, it aligned perfectly with the words Indian hanging grounds. Oh, wow. And... I feel that that may have attributed to maybe some of the energy in the home um, and certainly to some of those dreams because I was having dreams about, um, you know, tortured Native Americans, Native oh, American wow. Indians. Oh, wow. Sydney sent from... from it, it just um, anything that harmful done to another human being, it's got to, it has to leave some type of energy behind. Oh, yes, absolutely has to. Oh, that's dreadful, those poor people. Did you ever try talking to the spirit or spirits? Do you feel there was more than one in your home? I do feel it was more than one. Um, I feel there may have been multiple because, again, in my research, I uncovered that um, there was a murder that took place in the home. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do believe that there were multiple entities um, or maybe even something beyond just uh, what was formerly a person, maybe something... I think they refer to it as elemental or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just born out of pure negativity or, or something. So I do I, believe that. That actually brought a thought to my mind when you talked about the Indian Hanning Ground that I wonder if it was placed there because of the energies that were in that specific spot. Like if they were drawn to use yeah. that area because or they were influenced by um, whether it was an elemental or an interdimensional being. Yes. Because that's the energy they feed off of. Yes, exactly. I wonder the same exact thing. Um, it's interesting, it's fascinating, but it is scary at the same time. Very scary, very scary. So did you did you ever feel like unsafe? Like were these experiences negative or were they just wanting your attention? No, I feel that it was negative. Uh, we had one experience, the experience that ultimately led us to leaving the home and breaking the lease and getting out of there. And that was um, one evening, my fiance was at work and uh, I was home watching a sports game. And I had a a strong desire to go to the basement to get a beverage, which I would not been kept in in the basement normally. Um, But I just knew it was down there and I needed to go down there and get it. And when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I, tripped over and I completely just blacked out. I don't, I don't recall falling down or, or what happened. I, I blacked out. In the meantime, um, my fiance finished her shift at work. She could come home and right away she knew something was wrong with the house. She just, something was off. It was dark. You know, normally I would have this light or that light on and it wasn't on. And She could just sense something. She walked in the home and noticed a light coming from the basement and she walked down to the basement and saw me sitting there with just a single candle. And she said she knew right away that it wasn't me. She could tell by my facial expression and my color, it was, was not me. And she asked something to the extent of, uh, are you okay? What are you doing down here? You're scaring me. And uh, 
she said my face was beginning to contort and kind of grimace. Um, and she then asked, who the hell are you? Because she knew it wasn't, right. it wasn't me. And out of my mouth came a voice which wasn't mine. It was in a different accent. It was in a different tone. Um, and it told her not to worry about me, that I would be okay. And its name was evil, and it was destruction. And that ultimately led to us leaving the home. Um, I, after that occurred, I had woken up several hours later, had a massive headache, I felt nauseous, and my fiance was sitting over me, and I'm, I was just you know, I'd confused. I didn't know what was going on. And so I said, oh, I must have had a bad dream. And she said, no, honey, uh, I think you were possessed. Wow. Wow. That would have been really scary for her. Did you, prior to that experience, did you find your thoughts changing? Were you having negative thoughts or thoughts of harming or self-harming or anything like that? No. Um, I would say that my demeanor did change slightly, a little more aggressive. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say necessarily thoughts of harming, but again, I was becoming obsessed with the house and the research, which in that, there was a lot of harm and a lot of negativity. Right. Um, right. And having those dreams, um, and, then, and then coupled with the experience of this being speaking through my mouth, um, I just I knew it was time to get out of there. I think I was more afraid of that I may begin to experience those um, right. thoughts. Right. Because to me, it kind of feels like uh, we're drawing you in, drawing you in, drawing you in. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So you're probably very smart to get out when you did. And when you, I guess your landlord wasn't particularly surprised that you left. Um, no, he wasn't too surprised. Many folks had been through that, mm -hmm. that rental home and they did not stay long. Many folks broke the lease, um, left without notice. So he wasn't particularly surprised. Um, but uh, on the same hand, I, I didn't quite bring up, you know, I, think there's something going on with this home because right. I don't know that he would have fully acknowledged it even if he if he was aware of it right and so because it makes him liable I guess exactly exactly right. and and so after you after you moved out how did you resolve all of these experiences in your mind have you have you had any sense um not any experiences in my home Personally, I believe that these type of entities, beings, spirits, um, whatever you wish to call them, I think they're around all the time. I think they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. sometimes you may come into contact with them in certain places. Um, so, no, I don't have any experience in my home currently, but uh, where my fiance, or excuse me, where my wife works, um, she works at a bar, and um, I've had some experiences there. Mm -hmm. uh, Actually, recently I had an experience with some knocking and um, I thought somebody was in the kitchen of the bar so and there was no one there. Um, but uh, no, nothing in my home. Everything has, has since calmed down. Um, but those having those experiences, it um, definitely led to a, a greater interest um, in wanting to do more research and, and understand the paranormal and, and you know, figure out these things, and which led to um, other... Uh, research and things in schools of thought and uh, right. ideas on Wicca and stuff like that. Right. And so now you're in a, a place, a, a space in your life where 
if you had an experience like that, again, you would know what to do, you'd know how to deal with it, and you wouldn't have the same fear that you had previously. And what I really liked, I, I mean, your book was really good reading, but what I really liked about it was your end chapter where you talk about things people can do and how they can deal with it. And I think that's really important. And I know for a lot of people, it will make a big difference because, you know, who knows who whomever reads your book might have brought it because they're going through the same sort of things. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And that's what I hope to do. Um, and looking back, I wish I would have had some of these pieces of information. And they're not anything that's, you know, too revelationary. They're very simple things that you can do and um, some ideas to help with those uh, paranormal occurrences. Um, so I wish I would have had those, just a little piece of information um, you know, to help me um, deal with uh, what I was experiencing. Right. And so I guess that you are deciding to write this book was part of your healing and letting go process. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. That is, that is absolutely true. Um, again, it's something I kept secret. I didn't tell many. Uh, I didn't tell nearly anyone. So to get that out, and I wanted to get it out to the whole world. Right. Um, and you're right. It, it, and it has, I feel it has healed myself and made me better and um, helped put me on the path that I need to be. Right. And now you can put that in perspective of I was a child. I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. Now I'm adult. I can look back and, you know, exactly. do you do you feel that that, spirit that said that they were an evil spirit was actually an evil spirit or do you think they were just a nasty nasty human spirit who wanted to scare you because you were a little kid and he could you know looking back honestly i think it may have been someone who just wanted to really scare me just because they could i don't know that it yeah. was truly evil because all it really said was it just said it was evil yeah um and then it wrote um, foul language and things like that. But other than that, it, it all it could do was get to me through fear. So I think it may it, it may have been uh, yeah someone just masquerading as as something truly evil and just That's, wanting to to truly scare a little child. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, when I read that, that was the first thought that came to my mind. Oh, this is not an evil spirit. This is just a nasty, nasty human spirit who was a nasty mean person in life and liked terrifying and tormenting those around him and he's just continued that in this in the next spirit he hasn't moved over he's just earthbound and he's just nasty he's hurting it's been my experience that spirit like that i like that because they're generally hurting they're in pain of some description yes that makes sense and I guess, I guess, looking back, having the perspective and the knowledge that you have now, um, while it doesn't ease the fears you had at that time, um, you understand it a little bit more with an adult's perspective. Yes, you can. You can go into it saying, "Okay, is it is it truly an evil spirit, or is it somebody who has had some extreme hardships in life and is just trying to be a nasty individual?" Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Very cool. So where do you go from here? Uh, from there, um, wife got, and I got married. We've had a kid. Um, worked in healthcare over 10 years. Um, 
again, not, not any paranormal experiences in the home. Um, so out in public somewhat uh, run into those things. I think we all do. Mm -hmm. um, and then began to get interested in um, Wicca and pagan traditions and, and other um, schools of thought and those types of religious ideology. Right. And that would have also helped, given you more tools to help deal with uh, spiritual parasites and and earthbound spirits and stuff that haven't moved on. Mm. So have, yes. you, did you, have you had any uh, experiences at work with clients? I have. I have. I have had experiences at work. Um, nothing negative, everything very positive, everything very positive. Um, a lot of, uh, I worked in geriatrics in a nursing home for quite some time. So I had the uh, opportunity of being by patients uh, bedside while they were experiencing death process. Right. And, um, had a lot of experiences through that. Uh, folks always seem to claim witnessing a bright white light at the end of a tunnel. Um, I've had folks you know, talking about family members that are in the room. And those are things you can kind of sense and mm -hmm. you can kind of pick up on it. You can feel someone else in the room. Um, mm. And we've had some other, um, what I would call playful, uh, ghostly type activity from what we believe to be former residents of the nursing facility. So yeah, I think a lot of activity in the medical field, I think it's something that, that goes on frequently. Yeah, I, I know I certainly had my share in my years of nursing. And I know geriatric nursing is very, very difficult um, like physically it's hard but also emotionally because you get attached to those that you're working with and you you yes. care about them for yes, the most part, part most nurses, yeah. yeah 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 and a lot of them don't have any family so you become their family for them exactly exactly you're exactly right yeah yeah so where do you think you're going to go from now now you've written the book and it's out there what are your plans for the future Plans for the future. Um, I want to uh, continue my studies on Wicca and um, and become the best person I can and and pass that on to my daughter. Um, you know, I'd like to maybe write another book, um, but not something that I'm jumping into right away. Um, I have some ideas that I'm tossing around um, that kind of tie into paranormal, but but um, not so much directly related to the paranormal. Um, We'll see where the future goes. Who, who knows where the future is going to take us? And I'm just going to ride that out and try to make the best of it and be as positive as I can. That's really cool. So, Nate, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really interesting discussion. And thank you for your book. It's really beautifully written. And would you, would you like to tell people about your website and, where they, and your social media that you're on? Yeah. So first of all, um, thank you for having me on. It's, it's been an honor. Um, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Um, it's, uh, you can get the book on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's available on Barnes Noble and my website. Um, I do international shipping on my website, which is bornhaunted.com. Um, then Facebook, uh, Facebook page is born haunted by Nate Michael. And then my author page is Nate Michael. Sorry, I had to think which one there. So uh, Facebook page is Born Haunted by Nate Michael, and then my author is Nate Michael. Are you on Instagram and Twitter or anything like that, or just the Facebook? I am not at the moment, but um, that's in the works. Awesome. So you have a really great night, Nate, and thanks again for your time. All right.
Thank you. I appreciate it. can't even begin to imagine how terrifying it must have been for Nate as a child growing up, terrorised by unknown entities. How would you even begin to process that as a child, even as an adult? I'd like to thank Nate for sharing his experiences with us all in this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, and indeed if you enjoyed the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast, and you'd like to help support the running costs of the show, then please consider becoming a patron of the show head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get access to a special members-only page on the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com from which you can download full transcripts of each episode. You also have access to some interview bits that may not make the episodes and little extras as I have time to create and add them for you. Also, you have my absolute gratitude and appreciation. So, for the cost of one cup of coffee a month, $5 plus applicable taxes in whatever country you live in, go to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. Today's creepy bumper music is called Insidiously Wicked from Cinema. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming seasons and episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if any of you have any questions, suggestions or any comments you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience, or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words, Open Walking the Shadowlands and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening. Today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours, I'll see you after this season's break. See you then.
Thanks for listening.